Attention! The movie guys love movies. Any comments made about a movie that, despite all of our snarky and condescending remarks, will still gross more money than all of Ryan Reynolds' movies combined are purely for entertainment purposes only. Isn't that right? The Smurfs, too. That'll show you, Belgian cartoonist Peo. 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 Back up the money truck. Yeah. The Smurfs are back. Oh, God. This is when you know you're a movie guy. This is what we're talking about all the time, about how we have to cover everything. Here we go. What are we covering this week? Oh, In depth. Lord. How much detail are we going to give the Smurfs to this week? It's Do not you even late August. <laughs> Do you remember the over-under on the first summer. one? What's that? Did, remember the over-under we did on the first one? It uh, was like I, this is one of the most famous $78. Poorly predicted things was of the all over-under. time. Whenever Adam Witt comes out with a general pronouncement, I'll tell you what's going to happen in this movie, bet the opposite. <laughs> I, th- I thought that was going to be one of the most famous bombs of all time. I watched that trailer and thought this new generation is going to go Smurfs. What the fuck is a Smurf? And it was just going to tank, tank, tank. I was so wrong. It was outrageous. Second one's getting trashed on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. Uh, so expect, so? It, expect another 800 million. Right. Yeah, who gives a shit? I, was just I think this taught us all a lesson. Yes. Do not underestimate the power of NPH. Ah. Yes. Oh, well, so, oh, yes, I was just going to say, uh, whenever you're talking about the guy who draws the Smurfs, I just got a really vivid image of the fact that none of them have any sort of man meat situation. Like, none of them. They, they're they just pants on. They, I know, but they don't even bulge or anything. They're like perfect little crotches. I think that's weird because they have the same kind of crotch as Smurfette, right? I'd like to say that I haven't noticed that. I just and thought I'm proud. of it. I'd like to it. There's no bulge. Say that as well. That's I, right. have not, I have not noticed you that. You watch. You There's can't no bulge, bulge a cartoon. You can't, yes. you can't cock and balls under pants a cartoon. Where's Smurf I Bulge? See it. Welcome I'm to the movie showcast, everybody. The Part Smurfs of the vast though, and sprawling movie guy's <laughs> empire. <laughs> Smurf Bulge. I want more Smurf Bulge. I'm just saying I'm picturing it. Bulge was on top of their didn't Smurfette add one too? Or no? Oh. I was, I was oh, talking about the attention? snorks. Jesus. Smurfette has more of a bulge than they do. Uh, listen, you've reached ground zero for all things movies and comedy. Now, we bring the two together right here on our show every week with rants, sketches, previews, oh. characters, jokes, bits, special guests, and more. You can expect that in the next hour or so, as well as our you know, random thoughts on crap and stuff. And uh, as we broadcast junk. right here from the Admirals Club sure. in beautiful Burbank, California. Now, the show is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you'd like to see the show, it's also on YouTube. It's a video podcast. Search the Movie Showcast or the Movie Guys. We come right up. Paul Preston here with Lee Caius, Karen Volpe, and Adam Witt. Later in the show, we'll be talking to our special guest, independent filmmaker and director Willie Laszlo. Chicago legend. Yes, and Hollywood movie titleists will stop by to tell us about the importance of their behind-the-scenes profession. Not sure what that is. I'm curious to hear. We'll learn. And we take a look at a film that manages to be old, borrowed, and blue. The Smurfs 2, as we talked See about. See what you did there? And later... There must be some kind of way out of oh, every movie ever. All along the Watchtower? You mean every movie that's ever come out is going to be reviewed? <laughs> What's your plan? I got a plan. I mean, I'm capable of coming up with a plan. I'm not capable. I'm just saying you haven't told me. What is it? I'm working on it. Yeah, screw it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's true. I mean, normally when you hear all the <laughs> along the Watchtower in a trailer, your, your movie takes place in the 60s. Well, that's or true. Or Not two right? guns. Not two guns. I think there's one guy in Hollywood that they hire as a music guy, and his first suggestion is constantly like, I, th- I see all along the Watchtower. <laughs> it must be a cheap-ass piece of music, right? Y- you know, it also, 
or whoever wrote it. I mean, was it Dylan? Just, uh, just keeps getting checks. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's probably Dylan's kid who's in charge of that. So he's like, you know, this is a really great song my dad did. <laughs> yeah. um, Paul does a lot of editing up for Universal uh, on their sizzle reels and stuff. And I know that they always encourage him not to use a lot of songs that are considered older because they want it to be young and hip. Mm-hmm. So I got to give these people credit for keeping this song's you know, real and actual music with instruments. Except they just keep stuff. going back to the one. They do keep going back to one. That's true. Good times, bad times is in the new trailer, the new David O. Russell movie, That's which cool. you need to go and see that trailer immediately. Yeah. Oh, Christian Bale, Bradley Cooper, Amy Adams. <laughs> I saw a still from it. They look amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Amy Adams is very hot, and then the other girl is super sexy. What's the, the name of the movie? I'd be damned if I could tell you. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, what is it? Yeah. Too. Jennifer well, Lawrence is in it. Yeah. Oh my God, movie, she's yeah. all slutty too. It's it looks like Ooh, Christian Bale it looks hustle something. Yeah, it's well, it's David Russell got him the Oscar. Something hustle. Yeah, the American Hustle. Thank you. That's American what it's Hustle. I looked Good at the, the it looks like Boogie Nights. It's just as cool looking as Boogie Nights. But it's Mob, right? It's like I uh, think so. Really? Oh, oh, oh yeah, it's Abscam. It's Abscam because right? it's art. It starts out having to do with forgeries and then just a montage of. 70s excess, uh, and, it and looks then like the drugstore, the and then the fighting. Does it have all and Led Zeppelin? No, Led Zeppelin, uh, good no. times, bad times. Yeah, they flipped uh, the script. There. Red door painted black. Is that red door? Is that it? What is that? That's the other one. The painted black. Painted, painted black. black. Why are you that means you're in the 60s. How's that go? I see a red door and no. I want to paint it black. Oh, yeah. Sadly, we're not previewing because uh, that's American the other song that's today. in everything that's in the 60s. Platoon. Uh, now, well, now we're going to do this. How depressing! Yeah, I know. Well, listen, this movie is coming out today, the day we're taping, July 31st. <sighs> so we're going to preview the Smurfs too, which feels wrong because. It's already open. We can't still, review it because we're never going to see it. Exactly. <laughs> I doubt our audience is going to see it, so there it's we a viewing. go. It's yes. a viewing. Yes. Of Once I get to four, I'll watch the first three. The most oh. unanticipated sequel of the summer is finally here. The Smurfs survive Mayor Bloomberg's ban on their sugary cuteness <laughs> and have further adventures in New York City. Karen, let's talk about it. Yes, despite requests to the opposite, the Smurfs return to theaters again this week as we are treated to, or perhaps tainted with, the Smurfs 2, Electric Gargamel or something, coming at you in 3D CGI. Finally, technology has reached a point where Smurfs can be made into a live-action movie twice. (laughs) (sighs) Remember when the first Smurfs movie came out and you said, okay, fine, get it out of your system, Hollywood. Make the Smurfs movie you should have made in 1982. It's going to tank at the box office, but I know you want to make it, so go ahead. (laughs) Well, guess what happened? $500 million worldwide. That's what happened. $500 million. (laughs) So who's laughing now? The suburbs? (laughs) The the adaptation of the beloved 80s children's cartoon has been stripped of its communism and pro-nuclear armament themes and has been updated for a modern movie-going audience by being stupid. (laughs) The Smurfs, once again, have to contend with the villain Gargamel, who, like the creators of the Snorks, has hatched a plan to create his own Smurfs. Gargamel, one of the few cartoon villains that looks like a sex offender, (laughs) instead creates the Naughties, the Happy Meal characters whose names sound like genitals. But apparently they aren't quite up to Smurf. (laughs) You guys see what I did there? That was clever. Uh, So, he decides they're not up to Smurf. Uh, yeah. Using so, it as a generic, I got it's it. It's a generic. So they decided they need to, to make a real snurf, Smurf, and in order to do this, they need the secret formula, which is only in the real Smurfs. That is how he can turn his little miscreants into real Smurfs. So 
He hatches a plan that involves capturing Smurfette and tricking her into being naughty. Smurfette being naughty. Well, now you have my interest. <laughs> a female naughty named Vexy drags Smurfette from her land of fellow Smurfs, much to the anguish of all the men left behind. But really, if you were the only female creature in a land of males and some girl from outside your world offered you the chance to escape and party for a while, would you resist? Hell no. As the plan goes, Gargamel will trick Smurfette into acting like a naughty, and she'll end up having so much fun that she'll tell the naughties the secret formula to making Smurfs. Okay, wait a minute. That can't be right. Is that, is that really the plot? Yeah. That's what we're going with? Are you sure that that's what you want to go with? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I did not mean to doubt you. He realizes to make a real Smurf, he needs their Smurf essence housed inside their asses. <laughs> Okay, that's that's where I thought it was. Oh, that's not really true. Okay. But wouldn't that make the movie have a really weird turn if that were actually true? Smurf essence seems like the kind of thing you could use to make a great cologne. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. So, why does he want their Smurf essence? Because have you heard the obscene amount of money you can make when you make a Smurfs movie? Five hundred million. <laughs> For the special effects, Sony Pictures Image Works spared no expense, bringing the Smurfs to life using the same technology they used to animate Nicole Kidman. <laughs> Smurfette is voiced by Katy Perry, so expect Smurfette to run around with whipped cream shooting out of her tits. Also, I was going to expect that anyway. I did too. <laughs> also, the star of the first Smurfs movie, Neil Patrick Harris, continues his streak of making any movie he's in watchable for at least the amount of time he's in it. Yet, he seems to be taking a backseat to Hank Azaria's Gargamel, who I swore I thought was animated when we were watching the trailer. <laughs> Apparently, at the beginning of the Smurfs 2, NPH's character, Patrick, vanishes unexplainably and ends up spending the entire movie missing, only to be found at the end passed out in the top of a hotel casino in Las Vegas. Okay. And in case you don't know... Sorry, we gave away the ending. <laughs> and it, sorry. Or the beginning. <laughs> Hopefully this whole thing's being told backwards. <laughs> Oh. I expect a challenging way of storytelling oh. when it comes to the Smurfs. Christopher Nolan's Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And in case you don't know when to laugh, mm -hmm. all right, watch yes. for Azriel, the giggling cat, who doubles over in hysterics at the drop of a car, a Smurf for his boss Gargamel. This evil cat has more fun than anyone else in the entire trailer. We'll spare playing you a clip from what actually happens in this film, but trust us, if you saw it, you'd say, who's responsible for this? The director of Beverly Hills Chihuahua? <laughs> and you'd be right. In related news, the sequel to Cowboys and Aliens will be coming out never. <laughs> wow. Um, I just... Yes. I want to say that I have not heard... The word essence used more. I mean, I read the word essence about five it's in the trailer, yeah. times. Smurf essence. And here's the thing. Smurfence. Smurfence. Smurf essence. Smurf essence. Smurf essence. <laughs> but I mean, literally every other line was Smurf essence. If you the Smurf essence. I mean, he's Smurf got to steal her. He, the, the male adult human has to steal the Smurf essence from the girl. It's so... <laughs> in a rape uh, analogy that yeah. is certain to not be missed by any grad student. Exactly. <laughs> and wait, you know, we don't know if maybe she doesn't even have her essence anymore. She may have already lost it to one of the Smurfs. Yeah, in a 
village full of them. Where is uh-huh. With their cocks on their head, apparently, as we determined earlier in the show. <laughs> but that's the thing. She's got her essence. I don't know. But I don't believe it. Isn't Smurfette like 50 now? So maybe she's going through the change and doesn't have any essence left that way. She's oh, having smurf a smurf a Well, they came out in 82, so do the math. Oh. She's dried up by now. Yeah, and she was pretty young back then, but not like, you know. She was an adult. She was She'd quite the forbidden alone. fruit, yes. Yeah. What are the Smurfs doing? We talked about this when we saw the trailer. Yes. The Smurfs are just sitting in their village doing what? And they, when Smurfette gets pulled to go and do all these naughty things, it's like running through town, goofing on rich people, flying on I a bird. Know. It's like, this is fun. Yeah, Why exactly. do you want to go back to the where they sing that song all the damn time? Stop it. That's awesome. It seems more fun to be a naughty. It's well, just like in real life as well. It's just like the Amish. It's her Rosh Hashanah, whatever the hell they call it's it. It's her Rosham- Rochambeau. Rochambeau. That's what you're looking it's for. It's her Dugelspringen. Dugelspringen. Yeah, what is that thing called? Rumspringer. Rumspringer. Which still sounds like a German dar- death metal band. Smurfs. They totally should be, and they should dress Amish. Fuck you, Yankee Blue Jeans. Pen pending, pen pending. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But what else? What would you not, not be so do. upset by turn, being turned into a nineteen uh, turned into a movie from a nineteen eighties thing G-Force? that you loved? You would like to see a G Force oh, movie? God, they made yes. one in oh, Japan. God. There of is one live action. Yeah, oh, I think sweet. it just came out, but you, it, it looks really stupid. Do you remember what was so amazing about G Force? Right? Yeah, no, yeah. what was amazing? The supervillain in G Force turned out to be a woman. Ooh. Blew my little eight year old mind. <laughs> Uh, now you know they didn't. Uh, I've I've never seen. Ba- it's Battle of the Planets too, is what yes, G Force is called. I've never seen it. In, it's called in, G Force. Was it was also bland. Depa- depending it's upon not, where it just was to, shown, just I think. to say it, just to make sure no one thinks it's the talking hamsters from a couple of years oh, ago. Really? Ah, that G Force. Uh, but what they did show uh, where I was as a kid was Voltron. Where is my Voltron movie? Mm. I want a Voltron movie. Transformers is certainly proof that it can be done. Yeah, and you don't even have to do it well. I want to see the Thundar <laughs> movie, Thundar the Barbarian. Oh, that'd be with, so good. Uh, yeah, it was Beastmaster. With Ookla the Mock. Ookla the Mock. The most frightening opening of any cartoon. Yeah. Earth is destroyed. Yeah. Like, and the yeah. moon cracks and moon cracks and half like are oblivion. Mocks yeah. are running a mock. Uh, I don't know what movie, what you're talking about, these cartoons. Um, I only got Sky Canadian. Commanders. Hold on. How about Sky? <laughs> K- Karen. Dino Riders. I'll, gonna, I'll get Karen caught up. So Sky Commanders? Humanoids. Sectars. Humanoids. Where's our humanoids In Inhumanoids? Inhumanoids. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Inhumanoids. Uh, Actually, I was going to talk about one <laughs> I would like remade Monchi from- Cheese? No. Mr. T? No. Gummy Lance, Bears? Lancelot <laughs> Chimp Detective? No, it was a Canadian cartoon. I only got like two channels growing up, and if the wind blew correctly, I could get three, and that would be out of Canada. And there yeah, was, wait till your father gets home. Wait, wait till your father gets, wait till your father gets, wait till your father gets home. Is that based on getting Don't beat by your one. father when he gets home? No, it <laughs> has nothing to do with spacemen, and it has nothing to do with things blowing beat. up or people in spandex suits, so you guys probably never heard it's of it. It's all about child abuse. Wait till your father gets home. <laughs> and also, <laughs> He's gonna beat the, crap the Hercules, I would like that too. Hercules? Hey, Herc. Hey, Kirk. Oh, that one. Yeah, with Hercules and the little little Newt. Newt, yeah, and that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's on Netflix Instant right now, I think. Yeah. Hey, he he repeats everything twice, so it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Everything. It's annoying. Johnny two times, Herky two times, Newtie two times, Herky. I would like to see a, a decent Top Cat. We we saw while we were we we watched the trailers all in one shot for these sometimes, and uh, I saw that there was a Top Cat trailer mm-hmm. on Netflix, and so we were, I was like, oh, let's watch the Top Cat oh, trailer. Was... I wonder if they did a modern, cool update like. 
Yogi Bear. That's no. the wrong cool modern update. No, but anyway. <laughs> uh, but boy, that was just a yeah. horrendous piece of shit. I don't know what's going on. And with it that got Top some Cat kind movie. of release. I saw on Rotten Tomatoes to get like a 14% or something. It's, so Oof. it's not good. It didn't look good. It looked cheap. They put, the, put some real money behind a Top Cat story. We could have a lot of fun. You know what was fairly enjoyable, which I saw was on Netflix recently, was Rocky and Bullwinkle, which I was a huge fan of as a kid. Do you guys like Rocky and Bullwinkle? I have not seen kid? that in many moons. Oh, well, the cartoon still stands up because that was basically written for adults. At yeah. the time, so it's still like so was the Flintstones, and so were all these uh, yeah, shows yeah. back and in the so day. And so was Gar, well, was, yeah. so was Garfield, which I am very sad to say did not translate. Sadly, even though Bill Murray tried, Garfield was one of my favorites. I like Garfield better than the Smurfs the back Garfield in the day. Cartoon the cartoon good. was awesome. You know who can't love a cat loving those? Well, that guy's voice was gold too. Who did the cartoon? Well, he yeah. did the voice of Carlton Bill Murray from Ghostbusters in the Ghostbusters cartoon. Yeah, which is ah, cool. so funny. Yeah. My mind is blown. It's cool. Yeah, that's cool. And then Bill Murray, the real Bill Murray, did the Gar- Garfield, Garfield in the Garfield movie. Yeah. Now, does that Garfield movie is that the one with the story about Bill Murray doing doing agreeing to do the Garfield movie because he thought it was being directed by Ethan Cohen and it was a different Cohen? Oh right, right. Ethan I have, Cohen. I've heard that story. I've heard that too. Yeah. I've got a perfect that he took it like sight unseen. He's like, sure, Joe and Ethan Cohen, they make great movies. I'll do it. I've got a perfect way to, to, to wrap up this conversation. <laughs> the perfect Saturday morning cartoon to adapt. Yes. The real Ghostbusters. They yeah. can't make a Ghostbusters 3, and that cartoon is so solid. Yeah. So many great adventures, because that is the most unfounded sci-fi premise that exists. The, the premise of the Ghostbusters, they took everywhere in that Saturday morning cartoon, and they did like 150 of those. And that sci-fi premise you can take everywhere. It's almost like the premise of Star Trek being only done twice. And you're like, you can't get a third one going. There's a lot you could do, guys. You know. Anyway. Well, the third one, you know, Steve Lewis had a good idea who's, who's written on themoviegues.net. He wrote a big Patent article pending, about... Pending, pending, <laughs> Save his idea. Ah, uh, well, it. come on. He put it out there. Right. It's a great idea where oh, yeah. you move the Ghostbusters to L.A. Mm-hmm. Because you've done two movies in New York already. You keep the real Ghostbusters, Murray, Aykroyd, and this might be something they, Murray could get behind if they're not coming in trying to be the Ghostbusters of old. Right. They're consulting on a movie about their lives. So you have the three young Ghostbusters playing them mm-hmm. when old movie sets get haunted or something. And, and they suddenly have to the become fake real Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. And the real Ghostbusters come together and do a big thing. I mean, I, I, first now, of all, taking that out of New York's a good idea, I think. Yeah. Change and it up. And now, with all the troubles they've had getting that off the ground, being meta by trying to make the movie, I think it would be totally great. Yeah. That's even, an even better because idea they can than use a couple all years that. ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, which Ghostbusters was the one, the cartoon that had, was it the real Ghostbusters that had Venkman and... Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. somehow there was this other weird one that was called Ghostbusters, but, but yeah, the they real had Ghostbusters had Slimer and Janine and everybody and... Mm-hmm. Well, uh... There is a huge amount of of talent. Speaking of like Bill Murray and all these people, these great everyone lined up to be in the Smurf sequel. Not um, Bill Murray because though. of Do the not success of the first. Well, I'll tell you, Jonathan Winters, for Even example, who passed check. away recently. This yeah. is his last voice performance. That's true. Um, and uh, let's see, he's Grouchy. Papa, Papa Smurf. I think so. Yeah, don't quote me on that. Um, I'm glad I don't know. Yes, but Grouchy okay. Smurf is played by George Lopez. Anton Yelchin is clumsy Smurf. Okay. Kira Knightley is playing skinny Smurf. Yeah. <laughs> And Psycho Smurf will be played by Amanda Bynes, mm-hmm. as well as a host dancing. of others. Those are pretty perfect, actually. That's true. Paul Taylor Lautner will be appearing as Faggy Smurf. That's oh. true. Pamela Anderson plays Hep C Smurf. I'm looking right here. Uh, Smokey Smurf will be played by Seth Rogen. That's pretty good. Uh, Testy Smurf will be played by Lance Armstrong. It's kind of two jokes there. John Travolta <laughs> will have a cameo playing Wiggy Smurf. Oh, Kirsty Alley joins the cast as Bloaty Smurf. Oh, and one of, of course, there's the Naughties uh, playing Nebish Naughty will be Woody Allen. Yes, and Mel Gibson finds his way into a high-profile film playing Jew Hayden Smurf. <laughs> Happy Smurf is going to be played by Christian Bale. Oh, what Date. the fuck is it with you? 
date rapey Smurf, played by James Franco. That's interesting. Uh, it's more I of a look than a history. Rush, the yeah, Rush Hour Smurf here will be played by Chris Tucker. Of course. Chris Brown will appear as Restraining Order Smurf. Paul Walker Smurf will be played by Ryan Gosling. Off his meds Smurf, played by Gary Busey. And Nick Nolte Smurf will be played by Nick Nolte. Yeah, well, that's, that's very good. That's okay. right. If he's very available. Good. You, yeah, you, if he's available. You use him. If you can book Even him. if he's there, I'm not sure if he's mentally available. So it's a huge cast. And not everyone in it uh, I would expect to see in a family film. But we have a scoop, which we often do here. Scoop! Uh, we've come across the Red Band trailer for the Smurfs, too. And a Red Band meaning, oh. for you, if those of you don't know, it's meant for adult audiences only. The Smurfs have a penchant for taking the word Smurf and inserting it into a sentence to replace another word. And I thought that might keep the whole film sanitized for all audiences. Not so. Uh, yeah, Their they... placement of the word Smurf is just all over the place. It's rather random. Here, listen, let me play the, the part <laughs> of the trailer for you. Shut that cunt's mouth or I'll come over there and fuck starter. Smurf! I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my... Smurf! You know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my... Smurf! Everybody be cool, this is a robbery! Any of you fucking pricks! Smurf! I'm gonna electrocute every motherfucking last one of you! Funny how... <laughs> what? Just, you know, you're, you're funny. <laughs> you mean, so, man, let me understand this, because I don't, you know, maybe it's me, I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a smurf. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think he could just put on blue paint. He's probably the right height to be a smurf. <laughs> Oh, I'm a live kidding. cameo. Please don't Joe come Pesci. kill me. Joe Despite Pesci. all of that, uh, you know, all that, uh, they're not concerned about it, you know, maybe saying this isn't just for kids. They're they're opening up the audience. This well, is going to make even more money than the first one. Well, they like to do parodies, you know, like they they, they do pop references. I can see them, uh, see how they're just doing well, they've pop updated references. They've updated it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Again, they have they their do, penises on their heads, so, yeah. All right, enough of this smurfing What's shit. under those white hats? Thank God. Right. Uh, let's talk about something else. What? 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 What did you see? What did you see this week? Wow, that sounds like it just breaks at the end. That's why we don't use them anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, well, I'll put it to you. What did you see this week? Well, Paul and I went to see Blue Jasmine, and it was great. And I don't even like Woody Allen. Yes, Woody Allen's Blue Jasmine. Is he in like Hannah and her sister's mode in this one? Looks pretty serious. Yes. There's a lot of funny in it, though. You know, I mean, just in character-wise, yeah. Bobby Cannavale and uh, what's his name? Oh, the guy from Doogie Hauser. The other guy. Max Casella. Play, <gasps> oh. uh, yeah. Play, uh... Why didn't somebody tell me Max Casella was in a movie? <laughs> <laughs> you should have gotten the tweet. More the, the Max Casella <laughs> Max Casella fan letter apparently didn't arrive. Yeah. No. Uh, they're funny. You know, they're funny characters. Just much like they're funny characters in, you know, Crimes and Misdemeanors, which otherwise has this really hard murder plot going on. But uh, no murder here, but man, Kate Blanchett just, you know, sending the rest of the actresses home. Yeah. She's so yeah. good. It's like, just whatever you're shooting, close up the cameras cool. and go home. She's so good. It's crazy. Um, Andrew, but, and they also have some uh, new casting in a way where they're bringing back the old Andrew Dice Clay, and he's in here, and he does a great job. He does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Woody he's Allen directs Andrew Dice Clay. I will watch that. Yeah. I'm in. Good. I'm in for that. They need a blue collar guy, and they got him. Does he have a lot of hair? Still? No, he looks right. He actually, as I was watching yeah. it, he looked like my dad. 
when my dad was that age. And he it was just the, the glasses were correct. The hair was graying and it was receding. And The he, windbreaker. The windbreaker with the little flaps on the shoulder. A members I, only? A full members only? Type, uh, type, that not type. Not quite members only. It, it was like the, white. The 97, you know. 1997 version. That's kind of what it looked. It was like my dad, I swear to God. Yeah, he was good. Louis C.K. also might have been a little stunt casting, but you know he's in a small part, but he's great. Yeah. You know, and uh, he, he, he plays plays it just right because you don't know what to make of his character. Mm-hmm. Coming in late to bring some romance to the story, and uh, he's good. The whole thing is quite good. And it seems like we talked about last week, every other movie for Woody Allen is uh, sharp. Because the last one from Rome with Love, or To Rome with Love, whatever, it was terrible. Can't remember. Uh, but yeah. two ago, it was Midnight in Paris. So every other Woody Allen movie, you're going to get a good one. So Ooh. whatever he does next, relax. The next one will be great. <laughs> uh, there's no Woody Allen the archetype. Star Trek rule. There's no Woody Allen archetype in this, so you don't have one character who's just doing a really bad Woody Allen impersonation, and I like that. That's good for you, yeah, because I know you're not a big fan. That's always kind of uncomfortable. Sometimes it's okay. Like, I thought John Cusack doing Woody Allen in... Um, um, Bullets over Broadway. Mm-hmm. A lot of people didn't like that. I thought that was actually was kind of good. But the one you just can't watch is uh, um, Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh. Celebrity. I knew you you were can't say watch. That. I mean, you're like oh, Kenneth Branagh. There's no version of that in Kenneth Branagh's repertoire. And then he's just completely Woody Allen, and you're like, uh, it's just the most obvious version of it. It's, oh, it's a great impersonation that's just completely weird to watch because yeah, it's not it's necessary. Like, oh, yeah, Kenneth Branagh doing that. There's no, I have no metric for that in my brain except that he's obviously doing Woody Allen. Yeah. yeah, but uh, so Shitting yeah, recommend that. Too. That's good. I saw Euro Dreams of Sushi. I've heard such good things about this. I got to see this movie. Now this is a documentary yeah. about um, a sushi restaurant in Japan somewhere that seats only like nine people, and it is the only sushi restaurant in the history of restaurants to receive the Michelin three star rating, which apparently is this really high rating. And it's about this guy named Yuri or Euro. But what was funny is that the DVD was given Shiro. to me by a friend of mine at work named Hide. Uh, Hide Kinoshi, Kinoshi, Hide Kinoshi, and he is Japanese, and he speaks fluent Japanese, so he gives me the DVD, and he's like, oh, you're going to love this, but he also speaks fluent English, right? So he gives me the DVD, and I go home, and I start watching it. (laughs) He just has a translator come around with him. (laughs) And it's in Japanese. (laughs) Oh, there's no subtitles? Well, we're getting there, and so I'm watching this, and I'm going, Hide doesn't know it's not in English, because he speaks both languages so well. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, Hide gave me this fucking movie that I can't watch because it's in Japanese. <laughs> so like 20 minutes later, I go, oh, that's right. I could turn on the subtitles. Ah. <laughs> Did you go back to the so beginning? I went back go, to okay, the beginning. Go. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's a really tidy movie. It's about a, a buck 20, a buck 30 at the most. Zelt. But it's got a great tone and a great feel. And it's so relaxing and it's so engaging. And you're just at peace the whole time. And it's this really remarkable story. The guy has nine seats in his restaurant. You have to book a year in advance. Ah. It's a three hundred and two dollar meal, and Jeez. he serves just what he serves. You don't. There's no menu. You just come in to get what they call his signature. S- All symphony? you can eat. No, you what get the, no. You get that's tw- the problem. I have a sushi to begin with. Yeah, I it pay forty be bucks and I'm not full. Not even close. Really. And 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 you and and this this is in the documentary. You have to book a year in advance. Now the place is super famous because yeah. yeah. of the documentary. Exactly. <laughs> it's like anything that shows up on one of those food shows that you then try and go to. It's like, uh. but I highly recommend it. it. Was a great documentary. Yeah, we had a guy named Chris McKenzie do a little something earlier this year for the moviegues.net called Thirty Docs in Thirty Days. You watch thirty oh, yeah, docu- uh, right. documentaries yeah. on oh, Netflix. Sweet. One of them was that. He highly oh, recommended it? as well. So from all points. Uh, directed at you, go see Hero Dreams of Sushi. Yo, and I'll be the first one who should go and do it because I have not seen it. I watched Drive again. Fuck, that movie's great. <laughs> Moving on. That stars Ryan Gosling. 
Yes. All right. Well, lest we forget, the rich man's Paul Walker. There is another film. (laughs) There is another film opening this weekend. Karen, he's very dreamy. Ryan Gosling. Yes. Hold. We're gonna. I'm gonna stop my script for a second because Lee wants to talk about dreamy guys. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) He's right there behind Tom Cruise. (laughs) I'm busy looking at Mark Wahlberg's butt this whole show. Okay, screw it. If we're gonna talk about dreamy guys, you know what I did today? Uh, Because I saw it on Twitter, I signed up for the Tom Cruise newsletter. What? TomCruise.com. <laughs> I'm not even on that. Well, I click. Well, first of all, it says What's he gonna tell you may want to follow TomCruise.com. So I clicked follow. And when I did, his page came up. And the first thing is like, get a signed poster of Edge of Tomorrow, the new movie that comes out next summer, also signed by Emily Blunt and Doug Lyman. And I went, well, I got to do that. How do I do that? <laughs> and then it says, well, to do that, you have to register for TomCruise.com and get our newsletters. Oh, I yeah. like Tom Cruise. <laughs> 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 Next thing you know, Tom Cruise. That better be buddies, in my though. inbox by the time we get done <laughs> off the show. Yeah, it's TomCruise.com. Can't miss it. Okay. And they make the drawing tomorrow for the uh, for the poster. <laughs> <laughs> That's a movie guy yeah, shit, right? Lee and I are movie gay for Tom shit. Cruise. All right. Uh, now the other, the other film it's that's opening this gay. weekend. It's uh, Mark Wahlberg's third release of the year. It's a bad time, Bob. Not to be confused with any dead rap artist who may have the same name. Here comes. Two guns, <laughs> Lee. Yeah. Hey, Hollywood, you spelled your sequel backwards. <laughs> yes, it's time to get two guns to the ticket show as two guns <laughs> brings together Academy Award winner Denzel Washington and Academy Award attendee Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> the actor formerly known as Marky Mark. Look, I know he's a respected actor, but no matter how much you become captain of the football team, Mark, you're still the kid who did the embarrassing rap in the fourth grade talent show. Hey, Greg, why don't you go piss your pants again? (laughs) That was like eight years ago, asshole. People don't forget. (laughs) (laughs) To sum up the plot, it's called Two Guns. Don't try to overthink it. (laughs) Actors have finally handed over top billing to guns. The DEA and Special Forces team up with the Green Berets and the CIA as they try to infiltrate the FBI and bring to justice a rogue sheriff. Or something like that. Basically, if it's got initials, your government organization is represented here. Now, the trailer was a little convoluted, but I'm sure it'll all be explained in the film's more than 14-hour runtime. Actually, let me see if I can explain it. Here we go. Denzel plays Bobby Trench, a criminal who teams up with Wahlberg's Marcus Stigman to rob a bank. But when Denzel double-crosses him, Marky finds out that he's a DEA agent. But all is not what it fake seems. (laughs) (laughs) It seems as Marky Mark was working undercover for the NCIS. The two realized that the double-cross was a quadruple-cross, as they were both set up to rob the bank so they could be disposed of as collateral in a war between a drug kingpin played by Edward James Olmos, a crooked CIA agent played by Bill Paxton, and a corrupt NCIS (laughs) officer played by James Marsden, making it a cinema-record triple-double-quadruple-cross, beating the previous record held by David Letterman's heart surgery. (laughs) This all sounds super complicated. But I'll take a movie that's willing to confuse me in order to entertain me. (laughs) And the casting is a classic study of Hollywood contrast. Two Oscar-caliber actors who just aren't quite at the same level. Denzel is a household name. There's only one Denzel. Mark is not. Too generic. Wahlberg is probably going to mean Mark Wahlberg, though it could mean... (laughs) Oh, there's no more of that? (laughs) That's all you get. I want more of that. (laughs) Of course you do. Now, at first, the title of this movie... Two Guns seems rather obvious, 
but upon further consideration, you realize that it's completely obvious. <laughs> Though still a little misleading, because something tells me there will be a whole lot more than just two guns in this movie. Mm. Let's hear a clip, Paul. Okay. I heard four. At least four. Sounds like another action film by Icelandic director Balthazar Kormakur, Iceland's most popular Balthazar. No, no, no. no. Sorry, that's Balthazar, not Baltar. All right. Continue. <laughs> A 24-hour deadline joke. to get the stolen money back from somebody to get it to somebody puts Denzel and Marky in buddy cop roles in what looks to be the best movie that Tony Scott has directed since he died. Oh. <laughs> uh, this, I mean, come on. This looks like a Tony Scott movie. You watch a trailer, and outside of there being text on the screen, Looks it, like a Tony Scott it looks like movie. a Tony Scott movie in that. I think it's going to be kick-ass. It's just going to be some kick-ass shit going on well, for much two like hours. Well, much like Euro Love Sushi, badass guys being badass. <laughs> Sorry, Lee. No, I was just saying, much like Euro Love Sushi, make sure you turn on the subtitles. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. Otherwise, you're going to be lost. No, but I, you know, I guess I'll, I'll see this. I mean, they're not winning over with the plot because they are, as we said, it's rather convoluted. Yeah. But the stars all watch do. So anything. it's only going to win on its personality, and I like the personality of both these guys. They can both yeah. turn on something pretty watchable. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to me that Denzel hasn't gotten grief for doing so many action-type cop movies and things like that. Yeah. But, you know, because when Nicolas Cage... does flight. Because he does. He does. And yeah. he, he can still turn it around and be Oscar caliber and then be in the big yeah, box Nicolas office. Yeah, Nicolas Cage never got that down again, he, did he? He never did. He it. never got that down. He got the Oscar and that was it. Oh, and that was it. Done with the Oscars. I am going to suck and do a bunch of Bulgarian movies yeah. to pay off my debts. Denzel can pull it off, though. I don't know how he does it. And how old is he? Timeless. He's a good looking whatever it is. He can play anywhere from 42 to 56. So says his agent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this is... um Oh, you have a problem with Mark Wahlberg in... uh, I I do. Play it again, please. (laughs) Do you have it? I do. Well, I got to bring it up. This is why I can never take Mark Wahlberg seriously as a tough guy, serious actor, action guy anymore, ever again. It's a bad time, Bob. That movie, (laughs) The The Other other guys. Guys... Every time I see him... It's a parody of Tough Guy Cop. It's a parody of Tough Guy Cop movies, and every time I see Mark Wahlberg in a Tough Guy Cop movie now, it feels like he's doing the parody that he did in... But he always plays... uh, He never actually plays... Bring it down, Karen? Well, actually... The other guys? Here's the thing. His (laughs) February releases are the ones that he's parodying in the other guys. So in February, you got Contraband. He releases a movie in February, Max Payne. But this is always the one where he's like kind of the dope or regular guy who's like kind of... And he does does seem like he's playing kind of the goof in this anyway. But he walks this really fine line, in my opinion, between... A guy who's doing a parody of a tough guy and a guy who can actually pull off a tough guy. And for me, once he went over to the other side, <laughs> that's all I hear when I hear him being tough. Uh, is is uh, oh the thing I don't have cute. Okay. Uh, no. And I think everybody at this table would have to admit that I none of us could have possibly predicted, even with Boogie Nights, like the, the few movies after that and that sort of thing, that that Mark Wahlberg would end up this no watchable. Way. No way. He's so watchable. I agree. There's like, no I'll go way see you saw this coming. You didn't see this coming. Contraband's it's on Netflix. It's a bad time, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Denzel Washington is 59. 59. Denzel, oh, uh, Jamie chiming in. Denzel Washington is 59. Our research team of Jamie. Wow, I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> he gets around for 59. 
You want to see my Denzel Washington impersonation? I'd like to. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's one finger, you can do the one finger itch behind the neck. You got to tell what's going down. Yeah. I really wish I had a passable Wahlberg. I wish this whole table did. We should do Mark Wahlberg theater. Next time wow. he's in a movie, let's do Mark Wahlberg theater. And we'll take other scenes from other movies and we'll just do them all as a Wahlberg. I work on that. I could bring that. I'm going to war. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could get a Wahlberg going. There's a, there's I think a, almost anybody could, really. Yeah, there's a thing to it. Yeah. It does, it's not all natural to do him. You could work on it and Yeah, get it's it. a little Boston-y. It's a yeah. little, uh, you know. Uh, last couple things about this movie. It's good for the eyes because there's Paula Patton, first of all, who is... It's good for the eyes because it's Bark uh, Wahlberg. Okay. The boat. No, Something out, for everybody. Is, it, is he dreamy? People don't forget. Look at that ass. Uh, wait, hang on a second. Oh, wait I'm a minute. He's talking about dreamy guys again. He's dreamy. Because I'm, I'm always fascinated by what other women find attractive. Yes. And Mark Wahlberg. All right. Look, okay, I'm pointing out uh, his ass on a Ted, Ted poster. You've got the Ted poster. Here's many things going on here. First of all, a lot nice, of things going on. nice big, thick head of hair. Look at that curly. I don't okay, care if it's fake or right real. There. Yes. You asked me, I'm telling you. That I can't ass. do anything about this. All here, right. Here. Look at that ass. Here's where his dick is. Right? And look at that. His dick is right here. He's got dick I'm bulge pointing. from behind. Now people have to watch uh, the video right. podcast because uh-huh. I'm pointing at his dick. There's so many good things going on. First of all, he looks great in that T-shirt. Why? Because he has big, strong shoulders oh, and he has stop the it. veiny arm going. <laughs> You're six inches He's taller than he veiny. is. I don't care. that. <laughs> That's true. That is all in proportion how it look needs to this. be. Look at this. He's standing next to a teddy bear and he's barely clocking a double its height, right? <laughs> if you guys want to. No, I'm, I'm always curious. Is he? But his face is attractive? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good-looking face. He's good-looking I think guy. That's a, it's a Jeremy Renner thing. He's not actually that attractive, but, you know. No, I think your guys are all completely wrong. <laughs> He's absolutely gorgeous, and I don't know why you have a problem. So, so let's see. Yeah. Is he hot? Let's, let me tell you the final scores. Karen, one. Yes. Jealous guys. <laughs> no, I am not jealous. There's I'm no always question. fascinated. I'm secure Lee, enough in my masculinity. Let's go watch Mission Impossible 4. To acknowledge oh, with that. Paula Patton. <laughs> oh. Anyway, you were saying about how you can see the movie because it's also, a good-looking also, girl. Oh, ladies, yes. there will be a Remo Williams sighting. Yes, just so you know, yes. Fred Ward is in this movie. Yeah, this has got a couple great uh, B characters. It's got Fred Ward mm-hmm. from Remo Williams and uh, Paxton, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Oh, yeah, man. Edward Come James Olmos. It's loaded. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, but well, let's uh, enough of this. Stuff. Let's get right, out of the special. Hang on. Oh, hey, oh Jesus. here we go. More hot guy all talk. Right. All right. Uh, this. Okay. Wait. Okay. Most people are listening. Do we have a problem with the fact that he's hot? He has no shirt on there. Oh, and here's his underwear that's, that's commercial. steroids, though. Um, steroids are not <laughs> very hot. All right, hang on. Right. Let me see if I can find one in underwear. Oh, Breaking okay. news. Karen found a shirtless oh, picture uh, uh, of uh, Karen, Marky Mark on the Karen, <laughs> Karen, our guests are here. <laughs> Karen, our guests are here. They're kind of staring at us. I don't know if we should <laughs> continue with the Marky Mark thing. All right. Uh, Already, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. All right. Now I'd, you're on board I'd, now with I'd the whole right. sexy. I hit that. You brought. Come the fuck on, really? No pun intended. Ah. Come All right. The fuck on. Let's get on to our special guest. Actually, we're going to take a little break uh, because Karen's going to talk to them, and uh, they're going to talk to the pair of Hollywood movie titleists oh. who are here. And uh, I have to admit, what's a titleist? That's a cog in they're the golfers? Hollywood machine I've never heard of. I don't mm. know what it is. So I'm excited to hear a talk with them, and we're going to talk to them right after this. He's hunky. Okay, thanks, honey. You brought me around. Ah, the subtlety of a movie title like Two Guns. Not since The Bridges of Madison County has there been a movie title that so succinctly sums up what the film's about. 
Two Guns is a pretty plain movie title, which made us wonder, how do you settle on a title for a movie? I mean, this could have been anything. Two Cops, The Good Bad Guys, or even Twelve Bullets. So to get to the bottom of what's going into titling a movie, please welcome Stan Masthead and Gabe Placard, titleists for Cinemessage, a company hired by all the major studios to title their movies. Thanks for having us Welcome, here. gentlemen. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. Movie nice. Guys Studios and Wonderful Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Great. Uh, now, what titles might I know of yours? Oh, yeah, we've named a lot of classics. Uh, the One. Uh, 50-50. Seven. Interesting. So you guys came up with all those? What was Seven's original title going to be? Uh, actually, the Rainy Town Murders. Now, I suggested seven murders of the two of us. I'm kind of more of a numbers guy. And I'm really more about, you know, uh, boiling the movie down to its essence. Uh, I suggested uh, seven, which they bought, and, uh, you know, it helped create a worldwide hit and uh, made it not gay to like Brad Pitt, so that's a good thing. And has that, that worked for you in the past? Well, there was a screenplay flying around town called Rich Cunt Can't Find a Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I suggested The Proposal. Good call. Uh-huh. And now you've got Ryan Reynolds, so you're welcome. Uh-huh. Hey, and, you know, he started on a TV show that I worked on called Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. Mm-hmm. I tried to coax the producers into more pizza places. If they had that, I bet you that show would still be on the air, and then you'd be thanking me. Well, how does a movie like Two Guns get its title? Well, you know, it's always a collaboration. You know, uh, we both bring something to the table. Yeah, the studio wanted to call it the Gun Caper. Uh-huh. And again, I said, guys, what's the essence of your movie? Just call it Gun. But it was immediately obvious to me, the numbers guy, that there was a discrepancy between the number of guns in the title and the number of guns in the hands of Denzel Washington and Mark Wahlberg. So I suggested Two Guns. And... The rest is history, or it will be after it opens on Friday. You two must be very proud, because I read that Two Guns is not the only movie you have titled that's opening this weekend. That's true, Karen. As a matter of fact, we're very proud to say the Smurfs sequel, Mm -hmm. also chosen by us. Mm -hmm. Smurfs 2? Yes. Good job. Thank you. Uh, It seems kind of simple, guys. It seems like you're just adding numbers to the movie titles. How well do you think the movie would have opened under the title Grandpa Blue Ball's Happy Lap Time? Uh, uh, I don't think so. Probably depends on how that would translate into Chinese. Oh, Oh, you got something there. Uh, Well, look, uh, movie titling has become a very complex in modern times. Uh, There's a lot of competition around every corner, especially with the advent of the colon. Oh, yes. Oh, excellent. That brings me to my next guest, another player in the competitive field of movie titling, Roger Van Paws of Colonial Titling. Titler of such movies as Underworld, colon, Rise of the Lycans, uh-huh. The Crow, colon, City of Angels, uh-huh. and Highlander 2, colon, The Quickening. Uh-huh. Welcome, Roger. Hey, it's very hey, good Roger. to be here. It's good to see you again. Hold my colon over here listening yeah, to you guys banter around about whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> how's, how's things over there in the colon business? That we're, what, the future is all? <laughs> that's what's hey, going look, on over there. More of a traditionalist, that's all. Yeah, okay, traditionalize all you want, but you know, if you don't see the future, how can you head towards it or no, whatever? That's that, fine. Oh. That's what oh. it said underneath the kitten on that poster in my workplace. You worry about that, we'll take care of the quality. Now, Go gentlemen, ahead. I think that you just answered my next question, but have either of you ever competed on a movie? I think both of us regularly put bids in on movies. Mm-hmm. I suggested the title Smurfs, colon, all smurfed up, or... You know, that, that was for the Smurf sequel. Or Guns, colon, The Firing. That was for two guns. Hmm. Uh, that, that's actually kind of stupid. Well, I'm sensing a theme here. Uh. You know, Karen, Colonial and Cinemessage have always been in competition. Mm-hmm. So we were very excited when we had gotten the chance to put two numbers into 
Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. Big day. Big and day. we really thought we were making some headway there, but then, you know, they stole the third title from yeah, us. You guys were phoning it in, and everybody could tell with a title like that. They were going to call the next one Three Fast, Three Furious, <laughs> oh, you know. which can't hold a candle to The Fast and the Furious, colon, Tokyo Drift. Yeah, he's got a point there. Hey, but you know what? All was forgiven when we won the contract for Fast Five. Uh, and in fact, we've recently entered into negotiations to merge the two companies. You yeah. know, you seem like you two might make uneasy allies. No, it's pretty basic survival for both of our companies. Once we saw the work that Advanced Titling Mechanics was doing on colons and numbers mm-hmm. in the same movie, with movies like Step Up 2, colon, The Streets, mm-hmm. and Leprechaun 5, colon, Back to the Hood. That was brilliant that work. I'm jealous of that title yeah. right there. Two numbers. Yeah, but I thought they were way off base, however, with Star Wars, comma, Episode 2, colon, Attack of the Clones. Look, look, you just gotta boil it down, people, yeah. okay? And the clones never attack, so, you know, screw that movie. And what about Star Wars 2? Something wrong with calling The Empire Strikes Back Star Wars 2? Hey, make it T-O-O, 2, huh? I invented that. For Teen Wolf 2. Ah, you remember that movie? 300 million domestic in 1980. That's why Star Wars 2 was a bad idea. Wow. Yeah, but how did they know it was All a right. sequel without a colon? Star Wars 2, the Yoda-ing. That's, That's what I That's almost as bad as Grandpa too. Blue Balls in his happy lap time. Yoda-ing does not translate into Chinese. Two guns, two, the gunning. You can't just put it in everything, but I think we could get together here for two, two guns, two guns, two, four, colon, for the love of guns. Well, what? What? Yeah. Up top with that one. Good job. Still a little bit yeah, yeah, Now yeah. we all are a little more misinformed. I think there was room for a colon and fast five, but I'm just saying. Thanks, gentlemen. Fast colon five. And we are back with another guest, and uh, he wanted me to point out that he is real. Yes. Our last guest were, may, not, may not have been. So, uh, important show note there. Who is K- that? Uh, Karen and I have, uh, well, we've known Willie Laszlo for years, going back to when we all lived in Chicago. Willie's always messed around with short films since we've known him. And as higher and higher tech cameras became more and more attainable, Willie racked up a decade and a half's worth of short films he's produced and directed. And he's taken his camera op skills to various TV shows like Ice Road Truckers and films like Redline. Willie Laszlo, everybody. Thank you. Did I did I say that right? Because I know that's how I got into uh, the current slate of cameras. It's just that the day you realize, and now tape isn't even in the picture. But the, remember the day when you realized tape, digital tape, was I could buy three tapes for ten bucks, where it used to cost three thousand dollars worth of film stock. I mean, that was yeah. like the greatest day ever. Hey, all this all this technology is in our hands now. Well, um, well, first of all, it wasn't the film Redline. It was some car show. What? Yeah, and I th- and I think it was about drifting. What are you talking about? Um, I well, when I first started shooting in L.A., my initial uh, camera op job, uh-huh. mm-hmm. I started sh- uh, shooting supercars, superbikes, uh, cars that were drifting. I oh, used cool. to I used to be a PA on for a production company, and then. Uh, you know, I started from the bottom, worked my way up. First time I PA'd in my life is when I moved to Los Angeles. Oh, right, because they really don't have the budget for PAs in Chicago. Right. So you, but, you yeah. PA, I did it but, once in the movie Michael. Yeah, back in Chicago. you moved what's your face's uh, Andy McDowell's staircase stair- from the airport to the uh, Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. Staircase. Why did her staircase? That? Yeah. 
It's a story. Yeah. <laughs> it's a story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a day. Well, they I, had money to give me to, money to do that. Well, I want to ask how these you, budgets are. Yeah. Whenever you were talking about his uh, starting with tapes and stuff, whenever you first started doing movies, did you actually ever get to participate in the I'm doing this on film? Never. Isn't I, that weird? I started with people started giving me their camera equipment that they had laying around. And uh, that camera equipment just so happened to be VHS cameras Mm -hmm. and VHSC cameras. Now, let me ask you, when these people gave you the cameras, were they home at the time? Or did you just come in and take them (laughs) while they were out? Yeah, when I said the equipment was available to you, I was saying just, you know, in that it became prosumer, not that you could go steal it. Yeah, My, My philosophy in independent filmmaking is lie cheat steal but always return what you steal oh, <laughs> right so it's like but yeah. never tell them that you lied or, or, right. no. never take that back. or that it was gone yes yeah just take the equipment back well, yeah. right because that shows you have some sort of moral compass good kind of so for the record Chicago. who cares for the record oh. don't tell imdb any different it looks like you were a camera up on the movie red line oh no Shh. Here's something else I thought was kind of cool. We met Willie when we were in Chicago, and we all know Chicago has some pretty hard ass weather. And I love that you're first, you know, you've come out here and you've managed to go sort of back to Chicago when you went to Alaska. So good for you. Oh, that yeah. must have been cold as hell. Um, the Arctic was colder. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned Chicago because my first thoughts coming off the plane, like they don't have ramps. So when you get off of a plane in the Arctic, you're you're in the element immediately. Oh, so you immediately know that it's different than what you were just in. Like, right. Oh. Well, oh. not necessarily because the the airport you take a little a bunch of little hops with smaller and smaller airports, <laughs> but the plane stays the same size. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> and the last the second to the last airport that we landed at, they had to try to stuff a bunch of oil rig equipment into the plane half the plane is cargo the other half is passenger oh my gosh and um they tried doing that for an hour all the doors were left open on the plane and then once we got on the plane um we're not supposed to say eskimo i think native is the politically correct word for it but there was a native next to me Uh who was freezing his ass off (laughs) and they they announced on the plane that they said we're sorry but all the water lines are frozen and we can't we can't serve you guys coffee so uh we're going to give you complimentary drinks oh so the crew started drinking beer oh, no. before we landed and uh to the last stop makes you feel safe right (laughs) i think he met his crew Oh. I don't yeah, think he right. met the flight crew. I thought this was a regular routine for no. people in Alaska. It's so goddamn cold. Every time we're flying back from uh, Vancouver, yeah. Yeah. we got to drink you know, all the scotch on board just to stay warm. <laughs> no, the pilot. Or we won't be able to land this thing. They uh, learned it from the <laughs> Russian pilots. <laughs> yeah. Right. Who still crashed because of that, by the way. Yeah, and America Shut West. Up. All those guys. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yes. But when I walked off the plane, my very first thought is I just looked around and I just thought, this isn't as bad as Chicago. <laughs> Chicago yeah. is right. Then nothing can prepare hard. you. Nothing can prepare you for Chicago, but prepare, Chicago can prepare you for everything else. Yeah, nothing will be as bad. Yeah. Right. Got five hundred above, and then one day five hundred below. Yep. And, <laughs> and you're, you're either never sweating or freezing on the L. One or the other. You're just standing next to someone dripping, or you're freezing. I think they got better as on the L last year. Oh yeah. Yeah, for an extended period of time, and it, it seemed like it was okay. Oh, good. All right. Good. Yeah, it's hot in here right now. I know that. Yeah. Burbank is. Uh, Hotter than everywhere else. You know, they say the valley's hotter, and it is. So well, we are uh, here in the Admiral's Club. 
the uh, official studio of the uh, Movie Guys and the Movie Showcast, uh, talking to Willie Laszlo about eight years. This is something I read online about you. In eight years, you made 40 shorts. Is that true in Chicago? I probably made 40 shorts um, total, and I don't think that was eight years. My first short or when I started was 96. And then when I moved out of Chicago, it was 2004, and I, I made well over 30. I'm talking about the high 30s, maybe 38. Um, and, uh, and, and it's kind of weird to say I made. Mm -hmm. So um, I directed most of them. I think co-directed one or two. And, um, you know, the, there was just a well-grounded support of people, both crew and cast, and uh, thank God for Second City, uh, as far as the talent goes. Oh, uh, yeah, you was, can't go wrong with those people. Yeah. it was. And, and let's go back to there, because you started, uh, as we did, and as Adam here at the Movie Guys did as well, studying at Second City, and then getting some jobs with Second City. Um, and then how did that translate from improv and stage and comedy into being uh, a film, movie filmmaker? Maker, yeah. yeah. Um, well, let's not be deceiving. The jobs I got from Second City were selling T-shirts, <laughs> washing dishes. That's how you do it, though. Yeah. I, I regret that. One yeah. time I was signing up for um, workshops, and I have very nice handwriting. And Ed was in charge at the time. I'm, I don't know if you remember Ed. And he goes, Karen, you have such great handwriting. Would you like to be my assistant? And I was like, oh, no, I'm too nervous. And so I didn't do it. I wish I'd done it. Turns out the girl that took the job made it to main stage. <laughs> Just saying. It's who you know. It, yeah. it helps because you know. they knew they could count on her, and she was around all the right people, listening to all the good stuff, and she was funny, you know. So that's good. how it starts. Uh, I should have sold more t-shirts. Yes, but I you know. said, "Eh, I'm going to make shorts." Yeah, yeah. Well, it you know it's every night, and I, and by the way, you have to mention this. Uh, back when I was working at Second City, uh, we're talking about uh, Mitch Rouse, Amy Sedaris. Paul Dinello, Tina, Tina Fey, mm -hmm. uh, Stephanie Weir, uh, the Steves, Steve Colbert, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. and uh, Steve Carell. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you were there with Rachel Dratch, too, right? Yes. Adam McKay? Rachel. There's so many. Mm -hmm. Scott Adsit. Yeah. Kevin oh, Dorf, Scott and John Adsett. Glazer yeah. and all these yeah. people. Man, that was a wealth back uh, in the 90s mm -hmm. on stage of Second City. Man, you could go in and see anybody who now is doing tons of stuff out there yeah. that everybody mm -hmm. knows. And um, I always regretted not meeting John Belushi, but at the time, uh, just working at sec Second City every night, hosting, and then after you sit everyone, your job is basically just to sit there and watch the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, little did I know that at during that time that that was probably the most powerful band of the rock and roll improv era of yeah. Chicago. Mm -hmm. Just. We were, Simply amazing. We were working at Tony and Tina's. They have a complex there where they do Tony and Tina's on one level, and the Second City has a couple of theater spaces. And our show would get out, and if we, if we'd get out a little bit before 10, and if we changed quickly enough and didn't have any meetings, Paul and I would go downstairs and run over to the theater, and someone nice like you would shove us into the back where you could watch <laughs> the improv set. And we would watch that almost every night and then get yeah. home. And we late. haven't even mentioned Adam McKay was there, and mm -hmm. Amy Poehler yeah, was so there. Many. Yeah. Just, yeah, it was crazy. Everybody. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Was Amy there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was doing okay. a lot or, more improv Olympic. Oh, yeah, that's in, maybe true. Yeah, because yeah. there was there were all those people that did both. But she did the tour coast, so I saw her do stuff. Uh, maybe on ETC, even maybe I'm not sure. that's the where we saw Miriam there. and Brian. That's where I first saw Brian Stack and yeah. Miriam uh, Tolson. So you can learn a lot just by watching. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. You, don't, you don't know you're learning. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because you know? yeah. you're so busy being entertained. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I guess um, 
before that, it was a rough road. I went to three different colleges and three different majors. I was kind of lost. I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do in life, what my purpose was. And something just kind of pulled me toward taking my first player's workshop improv class in Chicago. And once I took that first class, I just met a bunch of people like me. And it was an unfounded marriage that just, it just clicked. And, and then after that, that's where I kind of gravitated toward getting, I couldn't, I couldn't say why, but I just wanted to work at Second City. Because it's only awesome, that's why. Yeah. We moved to Chicago true. just to go to the Second City. Like we, um, a lot of people. Have, yeah, that's you know? the only reason we moved there, and we got shitty jobs just so we could start taking classes at Second City. Yeah, and um, after a little while, after watching so much improv and and so many of the scenes, I would like in my head I knew that I, I, I knew what the next line was gonna be, so I guess that's where that part comes in about learning, mm-hmm. and you don't even realize it, which actually uh, that kind of falls over into production. If you're working production for years and years, you feel like you're doing nothing, but suddenly you realize that you know a lot more. Um, And that's where I was kind of daydreaming, watching the shows and had a vision for comedy that probably could only be portrayed through a camera and through a projection and through the media of production. And um, as any independent filmmaker could tell you, it's it's the first short that you make and just to learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, uh, when I made the first one, uh, it happened to be something that a lot of people liked. It, it made it to a lot of film festivals. Oh, cool. What one was uh, it? Boogeyman. I, did we see that? I think we I saw Boogeyman. I think Boogeyman. we saw that. Yeah, I need to watch it again. Because all this stuff I was going to say at the end is available on YouTube. I'll give you a YouTube channel in a bit where you yeah. can watch a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of it, I, I've been flagged a couple times on, on YouTube. I don't, like, <laughs> Good at, for you. Congratulations. Yeah. At the time, I didn't care about copyrights for music. Mm-hmm. And yes, I know it's wrong. Um, but I went ahead and made the shorts anyway. And uh, when I first started, the comedy was directly related to the music oh, okay. that was being played. And, uh, you know, a few years later, that's when YouTube came out, and I started posting stuff on YouTube. And then a short while after that, I, I had the record companies emailing me, or YouTube, saying, you've right. been flagged, mm-hmm. you don't have the copyrights <clears throat> to the song. And, and it's so uh, contingent off. on the comedy, you can't just replace it with some generic version, right? Uh, some of it you can, some of it Good. you can't. Okay. Yeah, but this is like your first short... <clears throat> you know, it's a kind of a calling card. Just put it up there, and you know, you're not selling it, right? Now, back, they, well, they are. They are. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, whenever you first did your uh, first short, um, that wasn't as it wasn't as common to go to these uh, festivals. So, how did you find out about the film festivals? Because I think that became more common a couple of years later. I think the I started at the with the comedy clubs, and I mean, you, you got to say the word or name King Collier, and the word the elevated. And uh, that was Hitchcock's at the time. So um, uh, Kane presented uh, like a a venue for me and I I started showing the shorts in between the stand-up comedians. And uh, it was kind of like a double life where then, you know, I wasn't working at Second City at the time, but I learned from Second City. And then suddenly I'm kind of transferring over into behind the camera and learning how to shoot and edit. Um, and, and then it became 
like showing the product at different venues outside of Second City because Second City isn't that. Second City right. is theater and it's stage. Um, and then from the comedy clubs, I think that was where, you know, the, the film festivals kind of started to pop up. And I just, on a whim, just started, I think there was a, oh, man, film 606 or something like that. It was something that started uh, some people from, what was the uh, the theater newspaper in Chicago? Do you the, got, oh, um, uh, performing? Performing. Performing, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think there was a, a Renee from Performing, like, and some people started Film Bureau 606 that started showing at um, art shows. It's amazing what comes out. Like, mm-hmm. you, you don't, you think you forgot about all this. And it's right? Just no, back it's, right it's, now. it's your history, it's like, too. Oh, yes, I did it's, lay the groundwork. Yes, your, I did pay dues. Yes, your, I did. It's your 10,000 hours. It's your 10,000 hours. I always say, isn't that how many before you become very proficient at what you're you an expert, 10,000 <laughs> yeah. hours of rehearsal. Yeah, I don't think an employer would like that philosophy. I know. <laughs> well, <laughs> no one would work until they're 50. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's yeah. how we are. Yeah. Yeah, so. but you started a festival, right? The Chicago Short Comedy Video and Film Festival. Yes. Oh, yeah. So screw it, right? Just start your own. Well, cool. um, co-creator, Miriam Sowers was the producer. From Wits End. Yes. Yes. Correct. And that she discovered me at the Elevated. Um, one, It just happened to be one of those nights, I think, uh, Kane was short on talent, and uh, he showed, like, I think four of my shorts. And then... After the show, King came up to me and he said, hey, Willie, there's a lady and she says she's a producer and she wants to meet you. She's sitting right over there. And I went and uh, I met her and I guess she said that she was doing that show, Wits End, right? That was at Excalibur. Mm -hmm. And um, she was looking for short films and she had been going all around town and it was really hard for her to find short films. And all of a sudden she goes to this one comedy show and there's four shorts in a row that are playing. And... Um, so we started playing the shorts at the show and it kind of turned out, and, and I think it was the type of the audience that that venue attracted, but, um, the shorts were getting a better reception to the live theater. Mm -hmm. And so she called me up one day and said, Willie, I'm thinking about doing a film fest, a comedy film festival. Would you be interested in, in, uh, help me out? And I said, Sure. And she said, well, let me give you a call in, in a couple months because I want to research this. And she called around town. She talked to other film festivals, originators, and uh, got a bunch of information together. And, and then we went ahead and um, had – it was Chicago's first ever Chicago Short Comedy Film Festival, um, not to be mistaken with the name, which is a lot more complicated – Chicago Short Comedy Video and Film Chicago, Festival. Yeah. 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 <laughs> At the Ivanhoe Theater, which is um, Benny's, a liquor store, right? They, they got bought out. What? Oh, the Ivanhoe's gone? No. It's been, I mean, it's we have been, been gone been for Chicago years. in over 10 well, years. Well, 10 years, but wow. Yeah. We and, performed uh, there. I was ashamed to see a theater go. Yeah. They used to have the late night improv uh, stuff there as well. Like oh, the late night that. improv, uh, they do an improvised Shakespeare show, an improvised medical drama, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Oh, the Ivanhoe, St. Levy. 
yeah. It's a, but uh, yeah, and then they would show shorts. So that was a great venue. Yeah, it was, a shame. It was, a, it was, Where, was it basically the first uh, the first year? Was it just all your shorts because nobody else had any? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. No. Yeah, I did. The Willie Laszlo Festival. <laughs> oh, everybody, come on down. Fe- it probably fit a need for a lot of people who were doing that kind of thing, right? It's like, oh, I got a place to show my stuff. Yeah, yeah. because you make it, but it's, part of the fun is seeing reactions. Yes. I mean, it confirms that you're not crazy. So if there's a live audience and they're laughing at something that you made, it confirms that you're correct about something. Exactly. You know? And yeah. I suppose if they don't, then they also confirm that yeah. if they're not laughing. And it, it could be the end of the beginning of yes. your wanted dream. They so. said in Chicago, it was it was Second City was a great resource. And I know you've used TJ Jagodowski, Tim Kazarinski. And Mitch? other skis, yes, uh, people like that. To Pesquazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you find L.A. has its pools of talent like that as well, or do you keep dip- dipping back into that old pool? Because I'll admit, we've had Second City folks here on the show, and I don't yeah. like yourself. We had Mitch, I think Dave Rosowski would be on the show in the future, and we're looking at other folks from Second City just trying to find, you know, reaching into that pool never hurts. Right, right. Yeah. Well, um, I noticed from year one, Los Angeles to me is a perpetual 10-year reunion, of That's Chicago, yeah. it is yeah. So um, we all come in waves. Know, I mean, look at yeah, look at the three here we of are. us right That's here. That's true. Hello, exactly. And um, <clears throat> my problem is, sure, yeah, I don't like to be able to dip in the pool or to have somebody that you know be willing to work on your short is an incredible honor. But it's it's a little different dynamic here because um, it's hard to shoot a short film when you're working in production here uh, because it's usually freelance you have to be available on a phone conversation or like with a phone call yeah yeah and it's hard to kind of organize everything and that goes for the actors too so Mm -hmm. if the actors get um, a paid gig they gotta take it right yeah and it's it's nearly impossible to do and um, if you do it you will lose money because (laughs) I guarantee you and and it happened to me because I wanted to get back to comedy, and, and uh, that's when I made the last short, Telepathic Bowling. Oh, I saw that. That was good. Thank you. Yeah. And Very <laughs> nice ass on that girl. Excellent. Did well, you have an ass casting call? Um, the well, very hot chicken. It wasn't a casting call, but we, we knew. What, was it a casting couch? What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said it was hard to find talent. No. <laughs> Not the kind that bend over and look like that. Well, I, I got to give her a lot of credit because um, she was a friend of the producer. Oh, they all Ellen are. Yates. What? I, sorry, no, I keep no, giving you shit. No, no. These and are where the cliches come from. Karen, people. you're a friend of the producer of the movie guys, and look how far you've gone in this show. So I have look, water you, today. Like your co-host. Yeah, we gave <laughs> you water. Exciting. Yeah. So, count your blessings, babe. Thank you. <laughs> but it it does take a certain kind of actor who uh, takes comedy with a grain of salt. That's willing to, you know, they know the role that they're playing and and to do it because it's essential for the joke. Yeah. So that's a bunch of people having fun in mm-hmm. this short. I mean, you can see Mitch and uh, Mackenzie, Peter Mackenzie. Is that the guy's name who was the yeah. other? Uh, he was very funny too. The telepathic bowling is about just what it sounds like: people who are bowling, but they use their mind instead of a ball to do it. And they have commentators, and those guys are just having fun. It's, yeah. And that's, I think, that's key. It shows that probably there was a lot of fun on the set, and everyone was uh, having a good time. Yeah, and uh, Frank Cayetti uh, from Mad Television. Mm-hmm. I think do you, you guys know him, right? Yeah, Second City you know, guy yeah. from out here as well. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he was. I, I was honored to have him on that too. So. Uh, there you go. You got two Second City people. Uh, Pete was an incredible addition, and um, the two other, or no, actually three um, actors that that stepped up to the plate and 
came came in and did it is everyone did an amazing job as usual you know um we actually had auditions for the delhi the telly llama oh, right. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and um jr star he uh we found him and didn't know him and uh he's been a great uh, supporter, he comes to all the film festivals. And now, how many has that played in? Because uh, I first heard about it when you had said it was playing at the Beverly Hills Film Festival. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's Beverly, making the rounds. Beverly Hills Festival was the last one. Um, there was actually a sh- the first Chicago Comedy Festival in Los Angeles last year. That's where it premiered at, and then there was um, an Eagle Rock Comedy Festival uh, that it played in. Uh, around there, and it's not in, on the internet yet because I'm still submitting it. But mm-hmm. Oh, that's we'll the other thing I want to jump in and say. What festivals that have you been able to get your shorts into? Um, well, Any that we've heard of? Back in the day, like, it, it was the 90s was the heyday. Yeah. And uh, when I came to Los Angeles, that's when I worked in production, and then that's when I just stopped making the shorts. Mm-hmm. And now I'm kind of like, oh, you know what? I'm, I was really happy with that comedy, and... That's that was kind of like the uh, making your own door to step back into comedy from reality television was telepathic bowling. Mm-hmm. So um, for a number of years, I learned a hell of a lot more about production than I did when I was doing the shorts. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going back to the shorts to use what I learned. So during that space of time, no shorts, no mm-hmm. festivals. And yeah. now I'm starting to get back in. Good, I, and, they're, I, and they're having you back in, which is nice. And reality TV, even though um, Paul and I don't watch a lot of it, it does use all of the skills that you use when you're making films, and it does use all the skills that you need to produce things. Well, I have a question about that, because I've edited some reality television, and I know it's a lot harder to edit reality, yeah. because yeah. they basically give you a bunch of footage and go, here, make a show. And they're basically and like, asking you to be the story editor and the writer and everything as you're editing that stuff together. You have to find the um, the, the story. You have is to this, find the Is it art. the same way as a shooter? Is it they just shoot every Everything. What what we learned, and when I say we, it's just certain shows, because other shows, you could tell that nobody has any idea what's going on, and then that makes your job harder as an editor. Right. And the shows, and it usually starts from the top, a.k.a. director. Um, and then with the people that know what they're doing, then that's when they teach you as a shooter. You shoot as an editor. You don't shoot as a shooter. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at in and out points to like uh, pan the camera and get an out yeah. or to move to an object, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, the single camera coverage, that's probably the most complicated way to shoot reality. But sometimes it happens. You can't mm-hmm. predict moments like when somebody's going to get in a fight and you're the only one on location and everything's going down is going down hard. So um, you learn to get maybe a cut coverage of the hands moving oh right so you can edit in and out of that right Mm -hmm. so when you're editing thinking oh my god how am i going to do this um actually editing in reality is the last and sometimes the only manipulating uh part of the show where you could literally you have control of Mm -hmm. the story and you could manipulate it uh, to go in certain directions no i cut a dating show together Mm -hmm. and uh the, the, the video I ended up putting together was this guy was making this meal for a girl because he loved her. He had to have her. They had been together. They had broken up. He needed to get her back, and he made this meal for her and invited her over, and it was the big date that closed to get her back. 
And, you know, in real life, the guy came up and he said, I'd like to be on the show. Here's three different girls I could do it with. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you have to but find by, some time, but, but then, you know, but yeah. so they first manipulation is, do you, that's a great word, is, hey, let's just uh, put the guys, put the guy with this girl. And then the last one was make him in love, you know. Yeah. And in the end, is the show entertaining? Yeah. But, you know, it's just kind of crazy the paths you get there and the, the, the work you get. And, like, if I had, now if you had to shoot, like, a script, a that piece would... of cake, right? You'd be looking at that like, this has got to be easier. Well, in the long run, you frame all your shots, you organize them all, you put them all together, you craft them, and then you just shoot them. Now, granted, a number of things could go wrong, but you're, yeah. you're at least, you got this focused goal. Right. I, I think it's easier because, in reality, you're literally dealing with getting the wide shot, the medium shot, the close-up. It's happening as you're shooting. So, narrative, you have plans, you have time to kind of uh, plan all this out. Mm -hmm. And almost as you're reading a script, you know exactly what shots you're going to get. So, um, but also at the same time, uh, with narrative, it's narrative. So there's a storyline, you know where it's going. And uh, usually, you know, with the new type of cameras that are coming out, you're using um, 2K and 4K cameras with the information it has. You're talking about downloading. Uh, there's certain settings that these cameras have. Um, like you want to dull all the color. So be, because if you do that, it's easier to control the color and post. Uh -huh. So it's still a different world. In mm -hmm. reality, um, you're dealing with cameras that you, you want to have the correct uh, color balance, uh, white balance. And uh, so it's less work for the editors and post. Right. And, um, you know, you're fiddling, you're zooming in, you're getting the shot right there. And then, you know, on narrative, you want that shot to be perfect. And your lighting, you want your lighting to be perfect, too. Yeah, you so. can't necessarily light somebody if they're in the middle of, you know, almost, uh, you know, killing someone else, right? You can't go, hey, I'm just two feet back. <laughs> right. You're in front of a window or you're washing out. No, with, with reality, you've got one... You get your thumb on the ND filter, you get your finger on the iris, you get the other finger on the focus, and you get the other finger on, like, the white balance, and just, like, you barely have a hand left over to press record. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's crazy. And if uh, you're wondering, hey, what shows did Willie work on? Uh, you may have heard of Fashion Star, Celebrity Wife Swap, Celebrity Rehab. I've heard of that one. Kathy Griffin, My Life on the D-List. Oh, I love Kathy Griffin. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I love Kathy Griffin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's not going to say it. What's that? Follow her around? No, here's the thing, though. Like, um, I, I loved her mom. I yeah. worked on the show for like two or three days as an AC. So, and it was a day rate. An air conditioner? I know. What's that mean? Just for AC? the people at home? Just trying to. <laughs> uh, camera assistant? Ah. I, I don't oh, know. Right. I don't know why the letters are flipped around. Yeah, it's weird. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you worked on. Well, if you were an assistant camera, it would sound like you are a camera, which you are not. You're an operator. So Correct. maybe that's a. Well, I'm a Again, we're breaking now. it down for the for the flyover states. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Um, for the flyover states. And for the flyover garage. It all, it's the same. Yes. Um, AC, camera assistant, you basically bring the camera operator batteries and tapes or uh, ca cards that. nowadays. Right. Hmm. Camera operator, you're shooting. So that's the simple breakdown. Um, but sometimes when you get a job in Los Angeles, you're not part of the crew for the duration of the show you come in for a couple days to fill in for somebody else oh, okay so you don't really get to know the talent or to grasp the chemistry of how the show is made which you know? makes it even harder when you're trying to figure out what to shoot because i would think that having an idea of oh kathy always does that so we're going to get more footage of how she always behaves 
But if you're just coming in for three days, you might miss the thing that you could be setting up as a nice through line. Well, as a camera assistant, I don't have to know what to shoot. No, that's true. But um, now since I'm a camera operator, you have a point. And this just happened recently. Um, you're walking in as a shooter, not knowing what to shoot. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I think this was a couple of months ago. I get a phone call. And usually, like, the UPM, which is the unit production manager, like, they'll send you pictures of the cast, which names. Oh, yeah. You get, like, yeah, a, that, a little book. It's kind of like a yearbook. And it has all their names underneath it and then the picture so you can tell who you're shooting. Right. And you kind of take a look at it. You, you kind of get a concept of who's who and stuff. And I got a call. Hey, could you work tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then uh, nobody sent me anything. Oh. I didn't ask. <laughs> and uh, the next day I went in and I felt comfortable because it was a crew that uh, I had worked on before in Celebrity Rehab. And suddenly, as um, soon as I show up, it's like, okay, Willie, we need you you know, get on set. So now you're walking inside of a house that you've never been in right. in your life. And you're getting directions from the from the director of what rooms to step in. But you don't even know where you are. You, yeah. You have no idea where that room <laughs> That's is. That's reality. Yeah, right there. exactly. But you're experiencing the reality there. Yeah. And in this particular situation, um, for that first hour that I was there, things went down fast. Oh, no. They, they went down really hard. <laughs> Suddenly, it was chaos. I'm getting yells of, like, Willie, shoot. Shoot, shoot so-and-so and I didn't, I didn't who is that yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's only two guys there that I recognized and the rest of the cast I, didn't, I had no idea who the cast was I didn't know where the rooms were uh, and that's where your training in reality you kind of just get us you know like a sixth sense feeling of where you should go and, where the shit's going down yeah you're like I smell it over here all right go to the kitchen and you're also looking at the other camera operators because on their position of the way they're shooting, you want to be on the right side of the 180 line. Oh, that's right. So you could shoot cross. And it, it, what it came down to was uh, I saw everybody like kind of clumped up in front of the shut door. And inside the door was, uh, at the time, we thought it was a possible... Suicide. Drug overdose. Sex. Any of that? Uh, yeah, the first, oh. the first two. Holy shit. Yeah, okay. we're, we're correct. Wow. And everybody was standing outside kind of confused and, and I knew where to go cause I had worked with the director before and I just walked straight through that door and planted, you know, myself on the bed and started shooting the situation. And then, uh, eventually another camera op came in and we had it, it was like, bam, it was happening. We we're shooting cross. Everything was going down. Um, until the paramedics came, and then we, we had to leave. Um, okay. I don't mean to diss reality TV, but I just I want to say as a person, doesn't that seem weird to go, oh, Paul's ODing, but I got it. How about <laughs> I put that shit down and help Paul stop ODing? How do you come to grips with that? Um, she was talking to a doctor. Oh, okay. And the doctor well, was not an EMT. No, but yes. I don't we know. Don't have EMTs yeah. on the movie guys. There's something about uh, the dog fell in the pool and I'm videotaping it. No, you put that shit down and get the dog out of the pool. That's just me. The emergency guys will cover. What if the dog drowns are... before the emergency dog savers come? Well, if you're as a camera operator, has if... that happened though? That's a good. Has actually has that happened to you? A dog you felt in... like no. you seven, need to cross the line here. Seven puppies have drowned. Shut the. F you are such a dick. <laughs> Welcome I, to the movie, I got, guys. I, I got the shot. 
I got coverage of it. I got low angles, high angles. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm kidding. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel like, I should put this camera down and freaking do something? Not yet. Oh, no. I imagine there's some structure oh, that makes you feel like you don't need to. Yeah, there's other people right? like, who's talking to a doctor. You, you know what? That has happened once. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I can't, I can't talk about no, it. Yeah, I, you don't have to go into it. You don't have to talk about it, but and, it's just and a, Papers have been signed, uh, whatever they call it, statutes of limitations are in effect. <laughs> no, it's, it's not reality's fault. I'm just saying as a person, like, I, I have trouble not saving or fixing. Well, this is the way I see it. You're shooting somebody else doing something about the situation. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And if, if there's nobody around for miles around, and it's just you and the situation... You is, and the ice road truckers, right? Is that what the it situ- was? Yeah. No, no, you and the situation right. is going down. Well, it's gen- it's a general thing. Like okay. it, it, it could go to any show for any okay. show. But, but not just ice road truckers. Yes, that okay. is correct. All right. Um, you, put, you do put the camera down, and you save a life, or you help somebody, or um, you save your own life. Yeah, that's true, too. That's, you could be in danger. That's happened more times with me than um, saving somebody else's life. But um, because what it comes down to is it's television. And yeah. there's no production that could be more important than a life. Or, Thank you. Or, or right. injury. And yeah. um, at least with the people that I've worked with, uh, we're all well aware of that. And um, and. Some of the shows that we are going into, we know that it, it is a dangerous uh, show, and uh, we do what we can with what we have to mm-hmm. to be safe. Especially things that are uh, dealing with the elements, things you can't control. No one can control weather. And I would imagine that would be a real pain in the butt if you were, say, doing, I don't know, ice road truckers, yep. and there was ice and snow and cold. Yes. Let's talk about the bigger picture. <laughs> okay. Redline? Right. Red, red, that movie you worked on is so right. impressive. Uh, we've got, oh, yeah, well, let's wrap this up with a couple of questions. All right. Improv, video, television, film. What's your ultimate goal? Hmm. My ultimate goal is um, I noticed I was happiest making the short comedy films in Chicago. It was, it was one of the happier moments in my life. And I want that. I want that back. And uh, whether it happens in Los Angeles or back in Chicago, um, I don't know. And um, I would love to be directing my own comedy show. And I, I think at this point, it would be make a lot of sense that if it was television. So um, that's, that's it. You're laying the groundwork for yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah. looking at further down the road... If I ever had the opportunity of doing a feature, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. But I think TV is what I know. I know the pacing of it. Um, and with the background training that I've had and, and with uh, the family, the comedy family from mm-hmm. Chicago, uh, that would be the obvious route. And what's your favorite movie of all time? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. No kidding. Oh, you know what? It's probably, it's probably a tie between that and uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, 
Man, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a great. Okay, Karen. Karen I've has seen, this ongoing thing. I've seen the first one. I haven't seen. You haven't Butch seen Cassidy. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance. I'm putting it on the list. She's got this ongoing list. Every time someone comes on here and starts talking about a movie, <laughs> inevitably she hasn't really seen it. Long. If it's a classic, <laughs> she hasn't seen it. She's got to add it to the list. I do that. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance. That's like the greatest. That's such a great well, movie. I'm going to put your yeah. name next to it. So if I like it or don't like it, I know who to blame. And could you promise me one thing when you watch it? Yes. Um, what? Don't answer the phone. Don't do anything else. Oh, wa- just wa- watch it. Watch it from I, I agree. Okay. I, I can do that in the next month, right? Don't we have that free trial of Amazon Plus? <laughs> so I can watch Prime. Downton Abbey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> don't, tell, don't tell them, though. Yeah, okay. God, man, those guys made it look easy. Newman and Redford. Now, right up to the end. Even Newman in, uh, in Road to Perdition, one of his last performances, mm-hmm. just made it look easy. Oh, you're the big, you're the highest up gangster. You're the toughest guy. He never yeah. laid on the muscle. Mr. Cool, man. Those guys are the coolest. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it happens too often. You definitely see less of it today. But when when you see just the natural chemistry between two actors on screen, uh, you can never fake that. Like our or, chemistry, you can't fake this. That's right. This is awesome. I'd like to see Pitt and Clooney yeah. do another movie outside of the Oceans films. Yeah, Let's they're awesome together. Yeah. I think Clooney's probably the another guy who just makes it look easy. Yep. And he's doing a lot. He's doing a lot. He's producing. He's raising winning Oscars. And he still doesn't seem like he's, uh, you know, hating it or working all that hard. Yeah, it's. I mean, he's, you can tell he's working hard because of the content he's putting out. But he's just, he's just right for it to where it's a nice fit, and he's just making it look easy, man. Yeah. And that's the coolest. Well, it, it's, it's kind of weird. You don't see him on screen as often. And suddenly, during the Oscars, he's up on stage holding the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Like, he made Argo? Yeah. Doesn't he have enough? <laughs> All right. I just uh, have to ask this before we finish up. Do you think, I think he's attractive. Mark Wahlberg? Oh, Marky Mark? Yeah, because yeah. I was talking to the guys about this, and they're like, oh, no, he's not attractive, because he's right behind you, and, and we're talking about one of his movies today. I just think he's hot. They're, I, I had to they're pull... jealous. Right? That's what I think. See? All right. Yep. Thank you. I'm he glad has. Willie's here. Willie's the, uh, they're jealous. That is the uh, <laughs> the he's deciding a, vote. He's a director. He has an eye for these things. <laughs> uh, I have an eye for Marky Mark. <laughs> hey, check your uh, <laughs> film festivals to see if uh, telepathic bowling is playing anywhere near you. And go to YouTube.com slash Willie Laszlo. That's L-A-S-Z-L-O. And see some of these classic shorts we've been talking about. And uh, there will be more, no doubt. Willie Laszlo. Yay. Thank you, Willie. Thank you. Before we go, it would not be the same if we didn't make time to look at the birthdays of those who make the movies. So we turn things over to Karen. All right. Starting off our birthdays this week, let's wish a happy birthday to Rush bass guitarist Getty Lee. Nice. Who turns 60 but can play anywhere from Gary to Getty. Turns out that his grandmother, he always used to say in this very thick accent, she would go, Getty, 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 Getty. And so his friends would come over and they'd always pick on him and be like, ah, your name's Getty, that's stupid. Everybody started calling him Getty, and now he's Getty Lee of Rush. the coolest thing ever. Many platinum records later. Mm -hmm. Did you know I ran into him in Chicago? Oh, yeah. On the sidewalk with Mark Hanner, whose whose brother almost named his first child Getty Lee Hanner. That's how big a Rush fan. Wow. Oh, so when he met him, big deal. Big deal. I have a friend who named. Uh, I have a friend who named their child. Um, what's the uh, the story now sucks because I could totally forget. Uh, Keith we, Richards. We make up some shit. Keith okay. Richards. <laughs> the boy's name is Keith Richards Greer. Oh. Oh. That's I think how, I, I would. That's how much of a fan they were of Rush. 
and Richard Gere, apparently. Yeah. I would have pegged Getty for older than that. Uh, yeah, I know. It's a little weird. Only How 60. Old? Only 60 years old. Mm. Uh, but here's something fun. He's Younger only... than Denzel. It's actually spelled older Gary. Older than Denzel. One year. Here's something fun. He only appeared in one movie, and that was a TV made for a movie <laughs> called Sunshine Sketches of a Little Town. But the reason he's on my birthday list is because his music has been in more than 30 film soundtracks. Nice. So you guys, I ask you, can you name at least three Rush songs? That were in three different movies, and tell wow. me the movies. That's a good question. Well, I can tell you one. One's yep. a rather recent. Uh, I Love You Man had Tom Sawyer in it. Yes. Uh, right. And they were in it playing. So technically, he's in that movie. Technically, he's playing yeah. himself, but playing a character oh. who's only been in oh, a TV. Oh, he acted yes. in him. Oh, I yes. see. Okay. So you got one, and I it's I Love it. You Man, though it does have another song in I Love You Man. Oh, actually, Wait, two is that more. two? So yeah. is it three movies with three different Rush songs, or just, it's just three songs? Wait, three songs, three Spirit movies. of Radio and I Love You Man? Uh, no, but that's the other movie song trap song soundtrack song. Which was that end? Do you know Spirit of Radio Man, was I don't in? Know. I think now would be a good time for me to learn some Rush songs. <laughs> <laughs> Can we first review my options? <laughs> Did they have? Uh, were they in Heavy Metal, the old animated movie oh. Heavy Metal? Oh, I don't there know. There was humping in that movie. They weren't movie. necessarily heavy metal bands in that movie because, like, Cheap Trick, I think, was in it. Yeah. But even though Black Sabbath was in it. Was that that porny it. cartoon? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. Porny song. I don't have anything about that, but can you name another song? We have Spirit of Radio, which uh, I should tell you was in well, the trailer Well, that's a better part. question. Can I name another Rush song? That's yes. true. I can name a bunch of Rush songs. Yeah, so I'm yeah. going to guess that maybe Free Will was in a movie. Uh, I don't have that one here. YYZ? No. But I was going to tell you, Spirit of Take Radio. Take the Long Way Home? I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Lee, we've radio. established you don't know Rush. <laughs> you know more about Rush Limbaugh. That's a great call for a wrong Rush song, though. <laughs> I, I applaud the comedy on Thank that you. one. <laughs> so there's something called the Trailer Park Boys. That was Spirit of Radio was in that. And oh, also, this is kind of creepy. Show, TV show. The Lords of Salem. Ah, don't know that one. That was yeah. a movie or a that song? That was a movie. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Although it could sound like it sounds like <laughs> it a Rush, like does. early Rush. Yeah, right. Lords of Salem. That's a concept <laughs> album from Rush, I think. Also, I'll just finish this up for you. Limelight was in Adventureland and in That's My Boy. Uh. Also, Tom Sawyer, Limelight, and Fly By Night were in Waterboy. Fly By Night. Oh. Away. That is a Rush, Rush song. There's a yes. bunch of movies I'm glad I don't have to see to know Next. Rush was in it. <laughs> Next up, let's wish a happy birthday to Arnold Schwarzenegger, <gasps> who turns 66. You're going to love this birthday announcement. It's good for children. It's good for grandkids. It's good for the blind. Let me tell you, this, kind, this is the kind of it's, thing that it is. a sort of birthday you know, announcement <laughs> that everybody can enjoy no matter what age they are. <laughs> And every week, Karen looks forward to the birthdays. I don't know why. But he can play anywhere from Terminator to Kindergarten Cop. I checked out it's Arnold's... Not Atuma. It's not Atuma at all. I checked out Arnold's IMDb, and he has managed to make more movies in the time period that since he said, I'm coming back to make movies, the most actors do in their entire careers. They're all in production, though, right? In the, all like yeah. in the last three years, he has done four mo five movies that actually have come out already. Eight movies are scheduled to be coming out. One movie's in post-production, and four others are in pre-production, and three are announced. Oh my that God. man just said, hey, sign me up, and everyone oh, started yes. sending shit to him. Yeah. He just All started right. checking off the list. His yeah. career is so improbable. I just every time I think about the arc of his life. I well, know. that was the other joke I was working on. Is instead of just saying, you know, he does a billion movies, I was going to say he started as a little boy in um, Austria. Austria started doing bodybuilding and then he came here and did more bodybuilding and then he said I'm going to be an actor and it's just the path that all actors take who? you know <laughs> if you want to be an actor you just do that who it's represents, so obvious who represents more that you can do anything no matter where you come Nobody. from or who you are Schwarzenegger or Barack Obama Schwarzenegger Schwarzenegger 
At least, at least Barry was born here. Barack's not president of Austria. I think he could pull it off. All right. And let's say a happy birthday to Adonis Terry Cruz. Do you like Terry? Oh, yes. Hold on, hold on. Who Cruz? turns 45 but can play anywhere from a defensive end <gasps> and linebacker oh, for the Rams, the Chargers, Redskins, and the Eagles to crazy hot in those Old Spice commercials. Wasn't he Chris oh, Rock's yeah. dad and Everybody right. Hates Chris? Yes, yes. Uh, that's what I was going to get to. He started out his acting career on Battle Dome uh. and made a smooth transition to playing Beefcake, that was his character <laughs> name, in White Chicks, <laughs> and is probably best known for the, his father character in Everybody Hates Chris. Or Expendables, right? He was yeah. in that too, but I was just thinking that he has single-handedly made the blue-collar working man very sexy. Every time he appears on screen as somebody's dad or he works at like as a mechanic, I'm like, oh. More so than John Goodman did. Yes. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> and since we were talking about Hollywood beefcakes, happy birthday to Kevin Smith, who turns 42. Hey. More like cheesecakes. Well, <laughs> whichever. He could play anywhere from Silent Bob to the most talkative guy on earth. <laughs> this just in, and this is kind of fun. Uh, it just happened a couple of days ago. Kevin Smith has just said he's in pre-production for a new movie he wrote called Tusk. Yes. He was inspired to write it after taking uh, talking about something on his Smodcast. And so here is the ad that he found on Craigslist. This is amazing. And it encouraged him to make this movie. I can't wait to see the movie now. Uh, you got to go listen to the Smodcast. It's, it's about uh, 10, 15 episodes back. And it did get him going. And he's now making a movie based on it. Read this. To take on... Um, okay, this is the ad. To take on the position as a lodger, you must be prepared to wear the walrus suit for approximately <laughs> two hours each day. In parentheses, in practice, this is not two hours every day. I merely state it here so you are able to have a clear idea of the workload. End of the parentheses. Whilst in the walrus costume, you must be a walrus. There will be no speaking in human voice, and any communication must entail making utterances in the voice of a walrus. For free room and board. For free room and board. End of ad. What is he looking on Craigslist for that he comes across this? <laughs> Maybe a lodger? I don't know. I, th I think it one of those things that just went out on the internet that somebody found oh. it and was like, can you believe this? Yeah. Uh, Michael Parks is playing the guy. Who, who puts the ad out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the guy that comes, at least this is what he announced at at, uh, at the San Diego Comic-Con, that he was either in talks to or this is a yes, is Quentin Tarantino is the guy who's the lodger playing the walrus. <laughs> or Quentin Tarantino is playing someone. That's I don't know creepy if it's a movie. lodger. Yeah. That's what a horror that? movie even if it wasn't one. It's creepy. <laughs> but happy Actually, birthday to all those very yeah. cute hot men. All right. Thank, Thank you, Thank you. Happy birthday. This movie, guys, was so great. It's good for all kids. It's, it's good for blind people. But isn't people. Quentin Tarantino uh, the worst actor? If you are, it's uh, you are Quentin Tarantino. I used to come uh, to my house. I give him acting lessons and this kind of thing. Because there's a way that he Next year, Karen, Finland, don't mention his birthday. I will make a note of that. And that wraps another movie showcast, everybody. Oh, the music cut everybody up. It would be great for everybody. Follow us on Twitter at The Movie Guys, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Movie Guys, as well as on YouTube, on iTunes, as well as SoundCloud, and Vine, like that. If you like the Instagram, and the Google+, Plus, and all of this, the and the LinkedIn, and what like have you. Even and on the uh, thanks to Willie Laszlo, he's like an Austrian, <laughs> and Jamie Clark Yelvington, like my the soundboard with the Iron Fist, and of course Steve Schorles, who is contributing the stories and the jokes and everything for the show and all of this. And if you want to find everything about us, you can go to themovieguys.net. Thank you for listening. You will like it if you're blind or not blind.